views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We all know the world is a strange place filled with strange creatures. Bigfoot, Chupacabra, Loch Ness Monster, all cryptids, but not all cryptids are built the same. And tonight we will present you six of the dumbest fucking cryptids you've ever heard of in your life. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Dumb Cryptids. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. That coach. Hello, welcome home from Arkansas. I didn't get to go. No, and um, I will say that there were just as many people disappointed as the level of your disappointment. Um, we it's just I got stuck. Yeah, and. and and that's what I tried to explain to people about how um, some things out of your control just didn't line up. And it was a last-ditch effort anyway. You know, we knew it was either going to be hit or miss. Um, and we talked off air. It was a great It was a great Saturday. It was The weather was perfect, low 70s, breeze, um, beautiful. That's the first time I've ever been to northwest Arkansas, man. It is absolutely wow. gorgeous up there. I liked uh, southern Arkansas when I was in Hot Springs. I really enjoyed that. So I know that. But luckily, I drowned my sorrows all weekend. <laughs> well, we was... were uh, gifted some Colorado beer from the friend of the podcast, Miss Jennifer Bucholtz, and uh, her husband, Jesse. Uh, Mr. George Jarrett uh, also contributed to the beer um, and then, of course, Mr. Chuck Ball uh, we had dinner with him, was able to uh, treat him to dinner, um, and he got us a case of our favorite Lost 42nd Rodeo beer. Oh, hell yeah. 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 And so um, he was, you know, just as humble as he can be, and I, and I tried to explain to him he was – when I told him that we had, because I had, I went to the bathroom and it just so happened the waitress walked by. And I was like, "Here, let's take care of this now." I, you know, my treat. Don't let him. I said, "Now he's gonna be pissed when he finds out." I said, "But don't let him try to to pay for his meal." And uh, she started laughing, and so um, he, you know, I, what you say. I say this all the time, but we've got the best fans, man. They are the most down to earth people down there. Uh, there was a lot of people in at the True Crime Fest in Northwest Arkansas this weekend that knew of us, I took probably 50 stickers and eight hats, and I would say within about an hour, they were gone. Nice. So. Sucks I didn't get to go, man. There is a lady we will talk about off air mm-hmm. that um, has sent in some cadaver dog teams to the Jessica Van Zant case. Um, she has her own 
podcast. I think it's called Zone 7. I'm not 100% sure. We will make sure that I tag them officially on our social medias. She is a certified crime scene investigator, and she lives an hour from where you used to live. And she is all about us getting together over the summer and giving some updates on the Jessica Van Zant, so we can get with her and get the science behind it. We can give our witty banner and then maybe get the advocate and uh, maybe, you know, maybe they these two geniuses from Georgia might actually get this thing after five, almost five years worldwide. Oh. But anyway, no, um, that True Crime Fest, she is going to put it on again. Um, it, it appears it may be the weekend before Memorial Day weekend next year in 2024, so stay tuned for that. If she does put it on and you are in the area, I highly recommend it. They had a great lineup this year, um, and I was telling Coach, this is probably the only hobby profession that I've ever been a part of that there's no pretentious assholes because if you're a pretentious asshole, nobody will work with you. Um, everybody was down to earth. They were just friendly, give you the shirt off their back. Hey, man, get on my podcast. You can. We will come on yours. Um, talked to Lance from Missing Mar Murray pod- podcast. Told him that me and you both laid awake at night listening to each episode when they would roll them out, and they're the reason that we got into it. And he was, you know, just flattered. And um, Tim would have oh, no, been. I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to them. Tim would have been there, but he had a scheduling conflict too. So, you know, me and Lance could have just teamed up and we'd have had the mysterious missing, co- you know, podcast. And then next year we can have the gangbuster podcast. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but no, we got to uh, visit with, or I got to, me and my wife got to visit with um, Billy Bell and Elaine from the Ozark Mountain Murders podcast that's about to drop. So, um, some good things going on there. Um, but if you have not, I tried to update two things on Saturday on our Facebook page. Um, if you're not a member of our Facebook page and you're not a member of the Secret Society, the Brews Crew, join it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, I'm going to try to update a bunch of stuff on there. There's a lot of cases out there that, that we just don't know about that need some, some attention, so. The the ladies from the United States of Murder are out of Little Rock. They were hilarious. They both um, have never spoke publicly, and so they had to each have a glass of wine before they went on. Um, but it was it was a good time, man. I, I highly recommend it. It was worth it. There's a lot of great places to eat around that convention center. Um, it's laid out well. So I don't recommend buying a beer at the convention center or a Pepsi product. How much were they? A can of Mountain Dew was $4. A beer was $8 in a 12-ounce can. Dude, that's better than uh, the the greatest university of all time, the University of Tennessee. When I went to a game this year, you get like a 22-ounce beer for like 18 bucks, And they only sell it at like two locations in the whole stadium. Knowing damn well I can go into the gas station down here and buy two of them for five bucks. Yeah. Nice. So, but anyway, that's got a lot of ideas. Hopefully, Coach and I, since we are officially – are you officially off or is tomorrow your last day? No, man, the kids are still there. 
Oh, that's right. Y'all run up until Friday, don't you? Yeah, we go up till Friday, and then I got three days of post planning after Memorial Day. So yeah, so that after June the third, Coach and I are going to try to knock out some things for um, for our Patreon patrons, make it a little bit more enticing for you to uh, give us your hard earned cash. It's um, about that. I mean, we're going to have to start doing more. Yeah. Um, as I said, I gave out every decal I had. So if you have become a patron at the drop of this episode, I promise you, you will get your decals as soon as I get them reordered and in. Um, but that is where we are at. So Likely story, my friend. <laughs> Likely story. So we've been alluding to this for a couple of weeks. We've been doing some heavy hitters, man. Well, I got another five-star review we got tonight. Sweet. Let's hear it. Yeah. It says from Celesley000. Good old boys just telling good stories. Five stars. Your podcast has been in my top ten for a good while now. I get a good laugh and hear a good story, which is actually therapeutic in my opinion. I can't listen when I'm trying to go to sleep because I always end up laughing. Keep up the good work, guys. I like to think I, you know, contribute that the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a comment on the Patreon front. It was from our OG, Mr. George Collins, out on the West Coast. And he commented on our episode of The Unsolved Murder of Robert Cope. He said, when I hear about a murder with a zip tie, I think about the movie Pride and Glory where Colin Farrell kills a guy by placing a zip tie around a guy's neck and choking him out. It came oh, out. Yeah? He said it came out 2008, the same year as Gary Cope's girlfriend's suicide. Maybe that is a possible idea where the killer got it from. So get you some of that. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah, we've been covering a lot of heavy hitters. So, yeah, we're going to do some stupid shit tonight. That's right, man. We are going to shit on some cryptids. And the title of my notes this week is titled Shitty Cryptids. So we have not told each other what we picked. I actually have one that may come into play. It's an honorable mention. If by some random chance we chose the same one in our unveiling of our three, we have... um, some of these, man, some of these, I won't, like, after I started reading them, I was like, well, maybe it's not real shitty after all. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to go first, or you want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first, I'll go first. Okay, let's hear it. Hey, number one for me. Well, oh, I, well, I, hey, 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 oh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey. about to have to turn this thing off. Yeah, buddy, number three, the veggie man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't ever trust anyone whose body resembles the green slender stalk of a plant and who sucks out your blood through three seven-inch long fingers with needle-like tips and suction cups. <laughs> All right, okay. Where did... Where, what? You, what? I was going to say, where did this originate from? West Virginia, Jennings Frederick would certainly agree because he's allegedly met just such a being while hunting one day in West Virginia. 
uh, in the West Virginia woodland in July 1968. According to American paranormal researcher Brad Steger, Frederick suddenly became aware of what he later described as a high-pitched jabbering, much like that of a recording running at exaggerated speed. Yet when he could somehow understand yet which he could somehow understand and which was informing him that it came in peace but needed medical assistance. At the same moment, Frederick saw beside him the extraordinary quasi-botanical entity described above with a semi-human face, long ears, yellow slanted eyes, and two stalk-like arms. What? Before he had time to be surprised, however, he felt a pricking sensation in one of his hands as if it had become entangled in some thorns. But when he looked, he discovered to his horror that the entity was draining blood from it through its own fingers. Moreover, its eyes suddenly changed color, becoming bright red and yielding a rotating hypnotic effect that rendered his blood-sucking operation painless. A minute later, Frederick and... Enforced transfu- Frederick's enforced transfusion was over, and his mesmerizing recipient fled, bounding away rapidly up a hill, each leap covering a distance exceeding 25 feet. And what is this called again? The Veggie Man. <laughs> <laughs> it is a blood-sucking vegetable man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um... Hey. Just saying, we we said shitty cryptids. We did, and that is pretty shitty. You've obviously found a much better shitty list than I did, but um, I'm going to go with my number three, and this, we may get some blowback from our fans from down under, but this one is called the Bunny Yip, and according to Bunny Yip, just the way you spell it, B-U-N-Y-I-P, Bunny Yip, or maybe Bunny Yip, not Bunny Yip. Anyway, the bunyip. According to indigenous Australian folklore, the bunyip is a creature found in lakes and swamps that is fond of eating people, especially women and children. Of course he is. Descriptions of the bunyip are all over the place, but many describe it looking like something along the lines of a seal. It supposedly lays its eggs like a platypus would. The first reported sighting of this creature was in 1818 in New South Wales, and as with most stories, it's gotten larger as the years have rolled by. Now, according to Australian slang dictionary, the word bunyip was adopted, but the most interesting part is the entire legend is based on the slang bunyip or another pronunciation spelling of such that means a harmless baby seal so they say the ones that have come across this dangerous creature that it is a smelly creature that lurks deep in murky waters waiting for unsuspecting women and children to pass by Described as having a long neck and a round head and a body like a manatee, the creature was said to make a roaring noise before devouring its prey. The prey, of course, was invariably human, and the bunyip was rumored to prefer the taste of only women and children. I mean, of course. I mean, being the convict colony they were, there was an English convict 
in present-day Melbourne back in the early 1800s that claimed to have seen one. Now, according to William Buckley's account, it the creature was, quote, extraordinary amphibious with a gray feathers covering its back, and it indeed killed and devoured women from his adoptive community. Now, they've been described as big as a horse or as small as a dog, and they have been said to have or have flappers, fangs, tusks, one or two eyes, shaggy fur, feathers, scales, or horns, and the behavior basically is all over the place, except most stories do say that they eat women and children. So there you go. It's a bunion. So that's my number three. Sir, you're number two. Okie dokie artichokey. <laughs> All right. This one's going to be in central Florida. Uh, we need a good Florida man music. About 15 minutes from Orlando. <laughs> this is the Oviedo Dick Monster. <laughs> <laughs> In the central Florida town of Oviedo, only 15 minutes away from Orlando, there have been numerous reports and sightings of an alleged cryptid. The creature is said to stand seven feet tall when fully erect <laughs> and has a long phallus-shaped body and two round legs, thus the name Dick Monster. <laughs> Most sightings take place at night in the woods <laughs> of the Stillwater neighborhood where many teenagers go to smoke cannabis. As a matter of fact, all sightings have been from teenage stoners in Stillwater. <laughs> if they were all female, it would have been even better. Yeah. You said it was the or the ov. What'd you say? The Oviedo. Oviedo dick. Dick monster. <laughs> oh. Okay, so I have one from Maine. The great state of Maine called the Alunxus. And it is yeah, pretty much a zoot suit. Uh, the Luxus is a mysterious creature which is known around the state of Maine as the Indian devil or the only creature in the forest that the native indigenous people were afraid of encountering. Recently, there was a man running on a trail in the Catahadon woods and waters national monument that came across signs for the luxus mountain and luxus camp monster the vague description of indian devil has led to some big misunderstanding of what the creature really is even henry david thoreau mistakes its identity in the book the main woods many stories oh, really? yes Many stories describe the luxus as a large cat often a mountain lion or a lynx other stories have it as a hairy humanoid or some other fearsome beast. While these stories may be true accounts, the name Luxus has certainly been misapplied in these cases. The Luxus is, in fact, a very real animal, which is quite well known to science. It is a wolverine, which is not anything I want to encounter in the woods by myself. No. Because they will, they will steal prey from bears, wolves, mountain lions, or even humans, and do not give two shits about who has what they want. They're coming to get it. So the confusion around the term Luke 
Lunxus is a linguistic one, according to the indigenous tribe up there, whose traditional territory encompassed most of central Maine. But, unfortunately, their dialect was misunderstood by English speakers communicating with them. Their word for an old and dangerous wolverine was aloxus, and they said that that's where the English speakers got lunxus. So, there you go. Now, the other thing that could be driving the lunxus cryptid is that wolverines were driven out of Maine in the late 1800s and were even quite Rare to have been seen back then. So there you go. The Luxus. Oh. The Luxus Riot. Riot. Grow back a bottle of beer. <laughs> Zeus, Zeus Riot. Oh, here we go. I got. I don't know which one to go with. We'll just. I mean, so far you've gotten shittier ones than I have. But let's let's drum roll, please. Um. Are Let's, you going again? No, no, no. No, it's your turn. Drum roll, please. You're number one, sir. Okay. And my number one dumbest fucking cryptid I've ever heard of. Due to nuclear mutation, this is the Czechoslovakian gong wrangler. <laughs> and there uh, you go. First reported in the early 1930s by a couple visiting the town of Big word I can't say. The Czechoslovakian gong, dong, dong wrangler. I'm sorry. Dong. 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 Well, that makes yeah. all the difference now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Czechoslovakian dong wrangler is a creature locally well known for its ability to wrangle multiple dongs at will. There have been over 60 hey, reported hold on, incidents. Hold on, hold on. Does it drive a Pontiac and have a tramp stamp and a tongue ring? No. Might as well, though. There's 60 reported incidents of dong wrangling from all over Czechoslovakia. Is this but before the war or? The Plzen region, P-L-Z-E-N. Oh, this is 1930s, bro. Jesus. So this was pre-World War. This is pre-World War or terror. Okay. Reportedly... It's. It came about because it was near the Tsar bomb detonation, and it got mutated by nuclear uh, radiation. So kind of like he was a radiated spider, but he didn't get the cool powers. He just got fucked up. He got dick powers. He got dong wrangling <laughs> dong powers. Wrangling powers. <laughs> oh, dear God. So apparently this is around, it says he's first reported in the 1930s, but around 1958, he, uh, he was created due to the Tsar bomb, which was, if you don't know what the Tsar bomb is, it's about a thousand times more powerful than the uh, atomic bombs he dropped on Japan. That will kill you dead. Yeah, those were a little, just a little bit bigger. Okay. Uh, 
1993, Mikhail Gorbachev, the former premier of the USSR, was vacationing in Czechoslovakia with his family. According to him, one night he decided to leave the hotel in which he was staying due to wanting to get a breath of fresh air after eating. He chose to walk down a deserted path through a nearby forest. Unfortunately for him, he happened to be carrying a large vintage dong given to him as a gift from the former president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. Gorbachev reached a clearing in the forest and sat down on a nearby bench to catch his breath. Here's what happened as described by Gorbachev. I'm dying. No, this is great. Uh, um, said this is a, this is a, uh, this is what happened according to Gorbachev and it's all in Russian. <laughs> God. I don't know, man. That was clearly made up, but I laughed my ass off when I found it. <laughs> so did they ever, and I had to step away for just a second, and I apologize if I did not hear you, but did they ever explain what their definition of a dong is in Russia? Nope. Okay. Doesn't give an explanation at all. Doesn't give a description. It's just, I mean, it's clearly fake, but it's fucking hilarious to me. It is. It is very, very. Um. All it's right. not real like Reggie Man. No, no. He'll drain your blood. <laughs> okay, so my number one is Sinkhole Sam from Kansas. Sinkhole Sam. Sinkhole Sam. 67 okay. years ago, an 18-year-old Mennonite farm boy from a tiny Kansas town had a lake monster in his sights. Albert Burt Newfield fired two shots from his hunting rifle in a vain attempt to bag Sinkhole Sam, the greatest monster legend Kansas has ever known. There are multiple reports of a massive snake-like creature swimming in the big sinkhole area. That's the official name according to the Kansas State Department of Transportation, which is located a few miles outside of Inman, a tiny town northwest of Wichita. So the legend began surfacing in the summer of 1952, the year before Newfeld took his shot. The creature was described as being between 15 and 30 feet long, a wormy beast as big around as the tire from a 1951 speed wagon. <laughs> At the time, Inman was home to approximately 500 hardworking farmers, tradespeople, and shop owners. Not a single one of them was quite sure what to make of the monster. In 1952, a veteran Kansas newspaper columnist named Ernest Alva Dewey traveled to Inman to sort it all out. Dewey, whose writing career began as a publicist for a traveling circus, had a reputation for poking fun at local legends. He once attributed UFO sightings to an airborne Kansas dragon known as the ball-tailed Snicklehoopus. <laughs> and why I couldn't find... The ball-tailed Snicklehoopus is beside me. But anyway, Dewey's article was published by the Salina Journal Sunday before Thanksgiving. In it, he claimed he brought along a scientific sidekick by the name of Dr. Erasmus. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Dr. Erasmus P. Quattlebaum. Now, don't be look, bothering looking up old Mr. Quattlebaum's uh, credentials because I can assure you they're probably about as long as the professor and the Wizard of Oz is. I don't think Quattlebaum was a real man. 
Now, Quattlebaum, according to the article, determined that the sinkhole in which Sam stayed in was actually, Sam was actually a Fupengurkle, a critter known, oh. yeah, a critter known to inhabit subterranean canvas caverns. The fact explains why such a large animal could exist in a body of water that only gets 15 feet dip, dip deep in the middle of a hard rain. The big sinkhole was merely Sam's above-ground swimming pool. <laughs> Dewey, conclu- right. Dewey concluded that fishermen and swimmers had nothing to worry about because Quattlebaum's research indicated Fupengurkles were terribly dumb and very vegetarian. <laughs> This sounds like a doctor, bad Dr. Seuss. I know. Dewey spoof, however, brought hordes of monster hunters to Section 27, a square mile of land just southeast of Inman. The northeast corner of Section 27 is where you will find the big sinkhole and possibly a vegetarian dumb lake monster. Now, the Penner family had farmed the land since 1874 and in the late Millpenner's book, Section 27, A Century on Family Farming, he describes coming home from church one Sunday afternoon to a startling sight. Dozens of DeSotos, Chevys, and Nash Ramblers were all parked at the edge of the big sinkhole. Penner says folks were hopping and jumping and prying and hoping to catch a glimpse of the 30-foot gurkle. Penner noticed every single car window was rolled up just in case they got their wish by the time the locals had started calling Inman's new roadside attraction Sinkhole Sam. In 1953, when news of the prairie locked sea serpent reached Kansas City, the newspaper Enterprise Association dispatched reporter Mary Kay Flynn to the scene. She found numerous, quote, responsible citizens, unquote, who described Sinkhole Sam as a 15 feet long with a fluted tail and a long fin on its back. Eyewitnesses also mentioned Sam's big, quote, non-snake-like grin. <laughs> Flynn hailed Sinkhole Sam as, quote, Kansas's answer to the Loch Ness Monster, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> We're not done because Flynn's article also includes the first account of Newfeld using Sinkhole Sam for target practice. Newfeld was sure he hit him, but another witness named George Rigger thought Sinkhole Sam evaded serious damage. On October 12, 1953, newspapers from Eugene, Oregon, and from Panama City, Florida, picked up Flynn's sensational story. Quote, Mennonites are not exactly prone to exaggeration, (laughs) says Marcy Penner, Mill Penner's daughter and the executive director of the Kansas Sampler Foundation in Inman. Even though George Reger's daughter, Connie Newcomb, says her father had the reputation of, quote, the town rogue, end quote, the Newfield family was not eager to promote the story. Dr. Edward Newfield, a retired psychologist, was 16 years old when his older brother's sinkhole Sam story became public. Quote, our family was embarrassed by the whole thing. (sighs) Says, um... Bert Newfield instead enriched himself over the years by sharing the story of Cinco Sam at bedtime and around campfires with younger members of his families. Quote, Cinco Sam was always described as being longer than a man is tall, but 
My dad liked to say the more people who saw Sinkhole Sam, the bigger he would get. Now, it goes on to say that at one point they had called the world's most respected cryptozoologist, Lauren Coleman, out to Kansas to see if they could see, if he could see anything. Now, he is basically thinking that while Sinkhole Sam sounds like a Mongolian death worm, it probably was a runaway python from a circus. A runaway python. How many pythons run away? I don't know, especially 15-footers. Well, you know... It it could have been like Veggie Man derailed the, the circus train and the the snake got True. away. So good point. Uh, I didn't think about. That. Uh, I mean, there is that, but it <laughs> it goes on to say that people have said that there are something, um, there is something unknown in those that murky ass sinkhole water, um, and then there's another. I think it's in Kansas. Yeah, the Kingman County, there is supposed to be another water serpent. But if you... Uh, you know, there's supposed to be one in Georgia, too. The Altamaha, we did it. Yeah, we did an episode on it. Yeah, but I, if, I, I remember now. If you ever run across a man named Dr. Quattlebaum and he starts to tell you about fooping gurkles, get away from him. <laughs> don't trust him. Don't trust a man that's got don't a fooping gurkle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Clark. <laughs> Something about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So that is our light-hearted episode. We I know we kind of bored you with some of the backstory at the beginning of the episode, but uh, for those that's a cryptid episode, ain't nobody gonna listen anyway. No, this is for our entertainment. We can literally do whatever we want on this episode. Yeah, I feel like um, the guys from Necronomapod, you know. The ratings go up when we get into the murder and the mystery and the missing. Um, but I, there's just so much murder that I can take before we just need something to laugh at. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we did some pretty heavy hitters the yeah. last couple of weeks, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got some heavy hitters on, on deck, too. So we got to get something, you know, right here at the end. Coach has to keep it together for at least eight more school days. Barely. But don't feel too bad for him because after it's over, he's not coming back till after Labor Day to the <clears> teaching <throat> circuit, not to the podcast yeah. circuit. So, um, months off. That's wild. It is. It's, I need a freaking summer job is what I need. That's what I was about to say. I think I'm going to try to find me one. Um, recommendations. I'm going to go out on a. I just found this because now I have time to actually look for things to do. But there is a Netflix series called the ADAC Pirate Gold. Um, and it is about a Russian pirate that hid what is equivalent to, this was 2022, so it's only gotten bigger, $395 million worth of gold coins. On, on Adak Island. And when the army started to build the air bases on Adak, and I didn't realize they did, they closed that um, base, that army base, 
in 97. It was open from 43 to 97. But anyway, there was a guy out there digging a trench so that they could basically put boardwalks above the tundra between the Quonset huts, and he found a basically tin can, and it was full of gold coins, and there's an old picture of him holding it. And then about, I think, two years later, or no, I'm sorry, that was nine years later, um, on another part of Adak Island, another can full of gold coins was found by a naval officer. So it is a very interesting story. Um, there's, I think there's eight episodes. It was, I don't know if Netflix killed it after one season, but I mean, it's very well produced. It's very well shot. It's a very pretty, Adak's very pretty up there. I did not realize that Adak Island is closer to Japan than it is to California. Really? Yeah. It's huh. a it's a sad kind of backstory that there's only 45 residents of ADAC. Everybody, there's just nothing. I mean, if you can get out, they get out. And the, the guy that's the mayor, he's probably our age. He's been mayor for like, I think something crazy, like 10 or 15 years. But it's it's a cool, if you like treasure hunting stories and stuff like that, man, it's it's pretty cool. I've watched two or three episodes so far. So check them out if you got the old Netflix. Just search uh, ADAC pirate or adac gold and it will come right on up for you what you got uh shoot i don't know i'm watching a lot of barbecue pit masters so i'm gonna go ahead and recommend that my dad who's like 72 73 i can't i don't even know he's retired now and he just decided he wanted to start barbecuing well, there so you he's go. Making bar- he's making barbecue in his oven. So my sister and I just surprised him and bought him a smoker. Sweet. And he's, man, he's doing pretty gosh darn good. For a man who's only done it like three times, <laughs> it's, better, it's better than some of the restaurants around here. Yeah. The stuff that pass for barbecue nowadays, I just, I just don't get it, man. I really don't. If we... If we ever get a chance to go to Austin together, we will stand in line for four hours at Franklin Barbecue, and I promise you, you're going to be mad, madder than hell until you put that brisket in your mouth. <laughs> and then and everything's like, gone wrong. Oh, I, I, I see why people would wait four hours for this. Uh, there's a place in Rogers, Arkansas, which is where the little crime fest was at. It's called Wright's Barbecue. And it is, they've got two of the big-ass fan companies, big-ass fans, and they have, God, I don't know, they have converted, you know the big-ass propane tanks that they, when we were kids, they had all the little propane tanks around that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've taken four of those big-ass propane tanks and created those into smokers. So each propane tank has eight doors on it. Oh, wow. And and it's one of those places, if you don't get there early, you're not getting the ribs and you're not getting the brisket. But all of their sides are good. Um, I had their pork while we were out there, and their chicken was amazing, so... Really? Pretty good stuff, man. Pretty good stuff. 
Now, if you're around our neck of the woods or if you uh, want to see someone from our neck of the woods, find the barbecue pit masters from the old boy from Characters Barbecue. Oh, man, he's good. I used to go over there. Like, I lived right next door to it basically for like five years, and I just go over there. And only thing about him is he just does white meat chicken. He does not make like boneless breasts. It's the only thing he barbecues chicken wise. I'm like, bro, like, give me a thigh, man. That, I'm telling you, man, I've got a, a recipe for um, brining chicken and um, smoking them chicken thighs. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, I love me some chicken thighs, I do bro. too, man. I could eat my weight in thighs. People are like, let's go get wings. I'm like, no, we need a chicken thigh restaurant. Yeah. I like wings now. Don't get me wrong. Um. Oh, we'll talk about we. I can talk about food anytime, but we'll talk about food after, afterwards. But anyway, Coach, you got anything else? Well, I mean, we got to stretch this out. It's a short episode. So go ahead and tell us what we're going to talk about. Okay, what, what so well, in your in there, there's a pizza place where you used to live down the street. I don't know if it was there from when you lived there. It was called Melania's New York Style Pizza in Adersville. In Adersville, yeah, right on down from the El Nepal Mexican restaurant. No, I don't know nothing about this place. Well, it's a New York style pizza place, and he really is the guy that owns it. Is from New York. Um, he's big Jets fan. Got a bunch of Jets paraphernalia in there, but he does a wing basket with fries. You can get wing basket and fries and a drink for uh, fifteen bucks, and they are the old style, big ass Jefferson wings. For those oh, of really? you, yeah, for those of you that have been around a while and have a Jefferson's near you, those wings used to be the standard. Like, if you wanted chicken wings, by God, those you wanted Jefferson's wings. They were more than just a bite. You know, I used to work there, right? Yes. When I went to Vegas, lost my mind, almost got divorced. A couple of years later, did get divorced because of it. Anyway, I owed some money, so I had to get a second job. Jefferson's. Wings are fresh. Chicken tenders are fresh. They we they come out fresh. We bread them, fry them up. But the the boneless wings are frozen chicken nuggets. <laughs> and we had to sell twice as many boneless wings as any any anything else. I'm like, just get buffalo tenders. They're fresh. Like I'm gonna hand bread them and fry them and then put your sauce on them. Nope, I want them nuggets. Well, what's funny is on our way to Arkansas, we stopped at a Jefferson's of all place in Fort Payne, Alabama. And I have never seen bigger chicken tenders in my entire life. I just want, because when the Jefferson's near me, if you order a chicken tender basket, you get three to five chicken tenders. They're not. You know, maybe as wide as your index finger and your bird finger together. Dude, they t- literally took a chicken breast and put cut it into thirds and fried that huh. puppy up. I, and I guess it's the way we were raised, how you have to clean your plate or whatever. I damn near made myself sick eating that chicken, those chicken tenders. They were so flipping good, though. And my wife got a grilled, got the grilled version. And it was the same thing. They took a, a damn chicken, big-ass chicken breast, grilled it, or pan-fried it, um, cut it into strip, you know, three strips, 
you know, seared those ends, and man, it was phenomenal. I'm, I hate to say that I'm, I'm kind of ruined now because I don't want anybody else's chicken tenders, and I sure as hell ain't driving to Fort Payne just for chicken tenders. No, not at all. Um, chicken tenders when wings are available, though. I don't understand you. Well, I had, an, I had an eight-hour drive ahead of me, and I didn't need to stop at every rest area between here and Fayetteville, or actually here in Little Rock. <laughs> now, I will say, once you get out to Arkansas, once you get past Little Rock, they do like their frozen custard, and I do happen to agree with them. Frozen custard is much better than frozen ice cream. <laughs> Really? Yes. Yes. There's this place called Andy's Frozen Custards, and he sells hamburgers at his restaurants. Uh-huh. Well, on Saturday night, his frozen custard and his hamburgers are real good because there's about 30 people waiting to order at the window, and there's probably 30 cars in the drive-thru. Wow. Yeah. They um, they were making a killing. So, but that's... Man, I can I'm, we could do a whole episode on my... My inner fat ass ability to eat everything I want. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, all right. Well, um, I will say this, Coach, since you are about to be off, I'm about to smoke a brisket myself, so I will save you some and bring you some of this beer. Yeah, buddy. Make you, um, that way you can have some Arkansas beer and some brisket however you want to. Oh, is. man, that sounds that sounds like a damn plan to me. That's the, that is the plan for the first weekend in June is when I'm going to smoke that thing. So I'll, I will hook you up. Hell, yeah. I still got to make that duck. I still ain't made that duck. Dang it, boy. Actually, I think it's still at Mike's girlfriend's house. Is that where your microphone and mic stands at, too? No, it's in the trunk of the car. It's too damn lazy to get it out. <laughs> All right. Well, we've stretched this out probably as long as there's probably people didn't turned it off 25 minutes ago. But, hey. Oh, yeah. We did this episode for our mental sanity. Well, they got to do. They got to listen for, what, 10 minutes for it to count, right? Uh, five. Ah, fuck it then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate it. Uh, We will be back at the old murder and missing next week. Um, What do we got coming up? Well, we've got a couple of them that's on the the board. I've not updated the board. We got a couple of recommendations while I was out of town, but we've got uh, Matt Stewart from Mooresville, South Carolina, and the Timothy Pitson disappearance coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right. I want to do Valiant Thor. Do you know who that is? Yes. You ever heard that? Yes, I do too. But I just don't know how we could spin it and make it long enough. I don't either. I don't either. But yes, I would love to do Valiant Thor. All right. Well, Coach is breaking out his old Simon Says, so I guess it's time for us to go. (laughs) That was the dryer. That was the dryer. I was drying my geese. All right, man. You got anything else? You know I don't. Uh, Deuces.